Hello everyone, my name is always Asmal. Welcome to another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat, a show where we talk career experiences, entrepreneurship and investments. The main aim is to show that there's more than one way to be successful other than just climbing the corporate ladder. We are sorry for being a few minutes late. We've experienced a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're keen to jump in. Um, we are live on LinkedIn and YouTube and the show will be available on podcast by tomorrow morning. So don't forget to like, subscribe and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. If you're joining us live, drop a one in the comments so that we know you're not talking to ourselves and drop a two in the comments if you're watching the recording. My guest for this week is Sanele Mkize, Chartered Accountant and Senior Manager Financial Services at Transnet National Ports Authority. Sanele, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Urez. I hope you can hear me clearly. We can hear you clearly. We can hear you clearly. Uh, let's jump straight into questions. Tell us your story, where have you come from, and even outside of work, who is Sanele Mkize? Okay. Now, Sanele Mkize um, is a young man, uh, grew up in Devon, and um, moved to Joburg for the first time in 2006. So I got the Tutuga Pasari Fund from Saika. Um, I was studying at Komakuta High, uh, south of Devon. Uh, just had a Amanzim Doti, did my metric there. And I moved to Joburg for the first time in 2006 to do my accounting degree and uh, did my CTA in 2009 and uh, started um, working in 2010. Actually started my articles with uh, APSA, Financial Services. I was quite interested in um, investment banking. It just appeared to be um, quite an interesting um, a, a field. But uh, soon after that, I then um, I moved to NEMPEC. So I had a change of heart after I'd seen um, it's a bit of a taste of financial services. Um, so, yeah, but I'll just keep it there. Um, probably uh, outside of my uh, career as well, I am a father uh, to actually a 15-year-old boy who's in grade 11 um, this year in, uh, at Adams College in Durban. Um, and then grew up in a very big family you know, both my mother and my, 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 my uh, father's son. And um, currently living in PE, as uh, my profile will tell, as we chat a bit later on. But uh, frequently, you know, traveling to Deben, um, I'm very centered around uh, my home, you know. But um, I've been traveling a lot, but I always just find a way back home. That, that, is, that is just me. Okay, perfect. So outside of work, other than you, Durban is being your home and you've got a son, anything else? What do you do on the weekends? What do you keep yourself busy with? What are your interests? Yeah. So in, in terms of my interest, I actually enjoy, you know, like um, trail walking, you know. Um, uh, also being from Durban, you know, um, time at the beach comes naturally. Um, it's, it's like the default kind of um, relaxation that we are used to. So even as I'm in PE, I've been loving PE so much because um, it, it, it has a lot of uh, characteristics as Devon. So I do enjoy um, outdoors, um, even if I'm watching sports, you know, enjoy um, soccer, enjoy rugby, cricket, um, just outdoor sports. You know, um, I, I enjoy watching mostly. <laughs> I used to play soccer in very early days, um, but... As I started with high school, somehow I just got into a lot of the academic side, you know, that the debate, 
um, and, and sort of academic competitions, you know, the Met Olympiad, um, at some point, uh, future leaders, I think it was, yeah, future leaders, you know, those are uh, business competitions. So um, I moved away from sports and um, it was mainly uh, academics that I was focused on. Oh, that's amazing. And yes, uh, I definitely spoiled. I was there for holiday a few weeks ago and yes, the, the, the beach and the, the, the weather in, 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 in winter, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Yeah. But you mentioned, I mean, you're a Durbanite, you, but you've worked in so many different areas in South Africa. So you worked in Durban, you worked in Richards Bay, and now in Quebeca. Is there a difference in the work ethic or the work environment when you're working in these different towns or cities? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, um, yesterday attending the um, uh, SICAT Top 3585 networking event um, here in Durban, as I'm actually in Durban for the week, we were just chatting with one of you know the colleagues that um, with Jobek, you I mean you find this um, that pretty much you know everything is fast paced and um, uh, people are just like so focused in um, you know milestones and goal setting and you know that that type of um, environment high pressure you know um, so you feel it you know in in the workplace you know you come to Deben I worked in Deben then um, from like 2014 coming as a financial accountant at NEMPEC Flexible at the time, and then Adapt IT as well as a financial accountant in 2015, it's sort of like, um, you know, much more relaxed. Um, I mean, it's not that people don't work or they are lazy, but it's just like much more relaxed, you know, and the traffic also, obviously, um, it it helps. I think in Durban, the traffic is better, you know, it's in terms of the day, whereas with Jobek, you just find traffic, you know, throughout the day, you know, so there's those dynamics. I think the, um, what I call this thing, um, not just the standard of living, but the quality, you know, uh, the quality of, 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 of life and how people are feeling relaxed. I find that generally I don't have the stats, you know, or even the experts, but if we were to look, I personally experienced it. My stress levels were just way too high while I was working in Jobek. Um, I, I really struggled, you know, um, and, um, you know, hence then also my exams, I actually passed my second qualifying exam, uh, after my third attempt, you know, um, and I wrote it in, in 2015 now having moved to Durban and I found the experience much better, you know? Um, so yeah, for me, uh, Jobek was a serious challenge, you know, from a social side, um, career wise as well. Um, you I was constantly feeling like I need to move, you know, to the next big uh, role, you know. And, um, you know, when, when, when in Devon, you find people, like, they stay in positions for a very long time. Now, in turn, it was a bit frustrating when I came back because I was like, why are these people not moving? You know, so a person is a financial director for 20 years, you know. So, <laughs> you know, why are these people not moving? But it's just the, the, the nature. Um, some firms and companies are known these are the people who work there, you know, and they are there for a lifetime. So that has been quite interesting. Um, I find that to be similar with, with PE as well, um, where, where people actually just stay in jobs, you know, um, which, which is actually um, uh, quite nice as well. There's some really valuable um, lessons when you get into that environment, loads of experience, and then you are expected to lead that team. It can be very challenging, you know. Um, so it, it, it has a very diverse uh, uh, way and you are challenged then to adapt 
you know, immediately. Okay. Okay. And uh, tell me, so so PE and Durban very similar then work work wise. Am I correct? Is that a good a good way to explain the, it? Yes, that that has been my experience. That, that has been okay. my experience. Yeah. Okay. And uh, talk to us a little bit. I see you had a bit of experience in Nigeria. What was it like when you went, and what are the opportunities in Nigeria for South African professionals? Yeah. So there was such a great opportunity. Um, because I did my articles with NEMPEC, you know, uh, the NEMPEC group, uh, it was in Joburg. And so when I moved back to Durban in 2015, and then in 2016, I got my um, a, a results having qualified as a CA. And so the um, human capital director at the time, Mr. Chikla, then in 2016, there was a big move from NEMPEC, you know, in terms of rest of Africa strategy. So they were taking over um not so well performing companies you know like the one beverage cans um uh, in in nigeria it was alucan and they were struggling a bit you know and uh, so they took that over from owners uh who were from the philippines so um that was quite interesting because um the exposure around um you know international uh, uh, banking and, and suppliers, you know, so I think like in South Africa, you know, if you are working in the South African office, we, we don't have to worry for an, a lot around like Forex exchange, you know, um, I mean, you release payments weekly, um, there's cash flow and everything. So with Nigeria 2016 specifically, there was the challenge with shortage basically of foreign currency. You know, so you had to interact with like six banks at a time, you know, Citibank, wow. Access Bank, um, you know, all, all these international banks to try and put yourself first in the queue, you know, and with the central bank in Nigeria, on a daily basis, you are actually performing like cash flow management. That was hectic, uh, but it was amazing, you know, um, and also the importing you know, often the steel that uh, and the material that was used, you know, for the manufacturing of cans, the aluminium, um, being imported in Europe, um, you're dealing then with the Isle of Man division of NEMPEC. Um, and so just on a daily basis, issues of time zones, it wasn't too bad because um, I think we were like a, a two hours um, ahead of SA and like two hours uh, behind the UK. So it wasn't too bad, um, but just on a daily basis, um, you literally we're going in there and you don't know what's going to happen. And you must just um, try. What I found with Nigeria, uh, as I tell you this, relationships go a long way. You know, um, I got in there, there was a backlog of about $10 million uh, um, in FECs that NEMPEC was struggling, you know, to have it paid out. And, you know, um, in one of my first few days with the MD, um, you know, we went obviously meeting customers and everything. And um, one of the uh, bank VPs, you know, was there for Access Bank. And we just started talking, you know. And he says uh, to the MD, his name was Andrew. I mean, why were you guys not telling me about this? You know, you've been a valuable client and um, definitely you should be prioritized, you know. So we started talking, started having, um, he gave me his number, just chatting to him, you know, um, explaining our situation, you know. Within a couple of weeks, um, everybody almost couldn't believe it. it. It was the biggest highlight for me. Within a couple of weeks, we got approval, FEC, 
10 million dollars made available for NPEC. It was great, great celebration. South African office, I love that. You know, um, just truly, you know, relating with people at a people level. You know, the stuff that I was training there, you know, on IFRS, um, on policies that were, um, you know, for the South African head office, um, you know, acknowledging that they've got um, a good level of competence, you know, and, and not just coming with, you know, the idea that uh, Chilad Accounted SA, you know, is, is the best in the world. I mean, you can obviously keep that mentality for your own confidence, but it, you, you, should, you should be careful, you know, to not that, let that be the barrier. Because people will yeah. say, then if you're good and, and the best in the world, then you go ahead, do what you have to do, and, and you won't get very far. So, so that, that for me, um, that balance very quickly, just uh, getting in there with an open mind, blank slate, um, understanding that the people that are there have a good level of competence, and then you are probably having to tweak a couple of things, guide on a few things on a certain approach, and, and then you, you, you've got a winning formula. Nigeria was really good for me. So is there a good, a good opportunities for South Africans in Nigeria? What do you, what do you think about that? Absolutely. You know, um, look, MTN, for an example, um, has had some serious challenges, you know, in terms of compliance. Um, Unilever, you know, uh, has had some uh, serious challenges. Um, other companies, ShopRite, you know, had serious challenges. They withdrew. Um, you know, I kept contact with um, the colleagues that side for some time. Um, I don't know currently, you know, the situation. I know one of the colleagues has also moved like to Zambia. Uh, but from what I experienced was the fact that I do believe that also at a diplomatic level, there is um, a good opportunity, you know, from an African Union perspective that we align in terms of what is the necessary level of compliance. You know, I just think um, the, 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 the environment in Nigeria is so dynamic and, and so great, but it's short-changed by the multiple layer states, you know, um, of compliance, you know. Um, so you're paying a, a tax on the state, like we were in the, um, at Akbara, a, a city, Okun states, you know, there's a, a, a tax, you know, for, for, for the state and, and for the national government, it's environmental. So businesses, you know, get frustrated with that. Um, and, and so for me, I think if, if we could streamline that at the continental level, there, there's just so um, uh, amazing opportunities. If we can adopt the types of like the UAE kind of regional integration, you know, um, we could really uh, go very far. I, I do think there is still plenty of opportunity in the rest of Africa for South Africans. No, that's amazing. That puts it into perspective. For the audience, we'll be responding to questions towards the end. So please add your questions to the comment section now so that we don't miss them. Uh, you mentioned that you, you started, you did your articles at, at NAMPAC, so basically outside of pra uh, public practice. But at that time, it was still the exception rather than the rule when you, when you did uh, articles outside of, of, of of public practice. Tell us about that experience you had there. How did you, how did you compare to your colleagues who were explaining about their, their audit articles and would you recommend the path to us? Yeah. So what I found, um, like the one thing for me is that um, I struggle with like working late, you know? So um, even at varsity, 
<laughs> you know, I would struggle with like, um, you know, cross nighting and starting through the night and, you know, so for me, like I did vacation work, you know, obviously with like uh, PwC, KPMG, when I was still at, um, at Varsity. And I instantly like the culture with audits, um, you know, the deadlines, the, the, the rush. Um, I could tell that it was not going to work for me, you know. Um, so I enjoy like um, steady approach, you know, so um, sort of like fixed hours kind of environment. And so that's why I also um, had a, a serious culture shock with financial services at, 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 at ABSA because it's around the clock. You know, you, you literally, uh, um, the, the guys, you know, would tell you it, it could be brushing his teeth. There must be a screen somewhere, you know, watching currencies and all of that. And that just scared me off. You know, uh, I'm a person who prefers to uh, be focused at work when it's time for work, but also be able to disconnect. So the audit environment, I, I found even with my mates that, you know, they were just, you know, working like um, constantly on, on, on weekends. At, at, at NAMPEC, I didn't have to do weekends, you know. Um, I probably, it was at year-end stock counts, you know, um, year-end audits that you do some late hours. But really on the day-to-day, um, uh, -day, it's the same now with where I am, like with Transnet. Um, I mean, you're just doing standard working hours, you know. Um, on exceptional periods of audits and year-end where you were like um, uh, uh, working late. So I, I found that the, uh, the culture with audits, obviously, because you could be servicing various clients. So you, you truly have to be um, very flexible with the hours. Um, I, I mean, I, 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 I recommend uh, commerce, you know, uh, because I do think that it's, it plays an important role in terms of developing like business accountants, you know, um, where, whereby traditionally or previously we would have sort of audit trained accountants, you know, coming over um, to lead commercial organizations. And unfortunately, I mean, yesterday in the Psyca event, this was being spoken about that unfortunately in the past, there was a, a bit of a lack of the human, um, you know, element, like, you know, emotional intelligence um, because of the nature, you know, of the audit work previously. Look, I think it's evolved, certainly, um, uh, over the years, use of technology, remote work and everything. Um, and so I wouldn't discourage a person absolutely to say, no, don't go for audits. But I will definitely um, uh, uh, advocate you know, for uh, 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 doing your your, your 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 articles, you know, with with, with uh, um, uh, commerce organizations, you know, likes of SAP, the banks, amazing programs, you know, um, just for as a person who, um, you know, also has um, a, a a good sort of like entrepreneurial mindset, you know, that, that for me I think um, gets like quickly developed you know, with um, a, a commerce training. I like what you said about, the um, thing that stood out for me is that you knew the type of person you were, so you pivoted so that it suited the, your personality and that, that, that is brilliant. 
But yeah. mo- moving on a little bit, you, I mean, you worked at, you've worked at Transit now for a few years. Yes. How is the work at the state-owned entity different, different to a normal corporate? Is it the same? Are the pressures different? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I, um, I'm very grateful for my experience, really, uh, because you know, with Transnet, I, I joined them in Richards Bay like 2018, but in 2019, I found myself putting in a resignation letter, like I couldn't. Um, so what what you find, you know, um, with, with 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 the SOE, is that there is the expectation of of performance, you know, from well obviously financial reporting perspective. So um, Transnet, you know, is um, uh, 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 uses IFRS obviously for financial reporting, but there's this other elements of the PFMA. You know, there's the elements of um, uh, the, the 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 procurement. You know, triple PFA. You know, um, w- w- which is like so compliance uh, uh, based. A lot of committees. You know, for an infrastructure project to be approved has to go various gate reviews and everything. I just couldn't understand it. You know. Um, what I find is that with an SOE, I think there is an overkill of governance. You know, uh, uh, for me, it stifles the potential. I mean, that like Transnet, the likes of Transnet, you know, could be having in terms of advancing infrastructure development, you know, in the country. It's, there's, there's, there's an overkill in governance, which is probably coming from a good place. It's public funds. You know, it's public funds. So um, there's got to be checks and balances, additional controls, and all of those things. Nonetheless, you find that they still it's still the place with the most mismanagement, you know, even with those controls. Because obviously people are very quick to learn the system, you know, and, and they will just play the, the game, you know, delay the signature to the next person and stuff and not want to commit. You know, I, I found that initially that was very frustrating for me. That w- why can't I make a decision? You understand? Why can't I? I know what I need. Like in a team, for example, things like recruitment. You know, I know the type of team that I need, but I actually can't make that decision. You know, I had to kind of go through the hoops. You know, of HR policy, this that policy that. Yo, ah, <laughs> you know, so with SOE, <laughs> you really, if you don't like rules, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I don't like rules, you know, <laughs> but um, you, you learn, you know, you actually learn because there's a fulfilling, uh, uh, you know, part about it, you know, just serving the public. Um, so there's a, a, a good balance over time, like you learn. So, so I've, I've, I've adapted and I, and I see myself just growing, you know, within the SOE space, really up to executive level. I, I think I'm, I, I no longer have that um, desire, you know, that I used to have to, you know, want to uh, be in commerce and, um, you know, get cracking, you know. Um, <laughs> so, so there's a maturing feeling. That I don't know if I'm getting old, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it now. I'm enjoying the rules at the SOEs. <laughs> I've got a few more questions, but the questions are flying through in the comments. I rather want to get to the right. audience's questions. We've got a question yeah. from Bulelani, who says, you want to pick your brain. What role do you right. think the CASA should play to assist in addressing 
South Africa's challenges of youth unemployment and poverty facing the majority of our brothers and sisters. That's a big one, that one. Yeah. No, that's a big one. Uh, and thanks, Bulilani, um, a good friend and colleague. It is a big one. Um, I think, I mean, the likes of uh, Bulilani, CFO in the um, uh, pension funds, you know, um, uh, institution, you know, and board, you know, definitely. And I was speaking to the one of the colleagues in the Abasa event that we certainly need more CSAs in the public sector. There is like effect in, uh, we need more CSAs in the public sector because, you know, our training does give us that leverage, you know, of, of, of seeing things um, a, a bit differently, you know, from probably other, other professionals and, and being able to apply some innovative uh, solutions, you know. Um, but as a direct thing, you know, I think the CASA has to open themselves up with encouraging entrepreneurship. I mean, I think the likes of like Andy Lekumalo, for an example, good example, you know, they've dedicated themselves into promoting entrepreneurship in every corner, like every school. I, I did some tutorials at my local schools um, some years ago. And um, grade 11, like accounting students, the language or the gospel that I was preaching there is thinking about what is it that the students can create? Uh, because in fact, uh, well, it's, it's, it's very difficult in the economy that we are in. Uh, the rest of Transnet is trying currently, uh, there is a big uh, program in terms of in in internships, you know, about um, uh, 400 interns it's been opened up, you know, to join Transnet. So that makes a bit of a difference. But organizations can absorb up to so much, you know. So so I think really our best bet um, is to uh, emphasize the culture of creating, you know. Um, uh, that, that for me is, um, uh, 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 I would say, is our best bet at this stage. Agreed, agreed. And if I can add just a small bit to that, just be that role model for people to see. If people Absolutely. can see you achieving, then they can see that's something they can live up to. So just be that for the people. But just be that for the people. We've got a question from, from Bryn who wants to know, is it difficult to go abroad if you do your articles in commerce? I think, yes, there is a, a limitation because it now depends on um, your organization having a footprint overseas, you know? Whereas with the audit firms, it, it's almost um, a given, you know, the likes of your PwC, you know, uh, PKF, all the audit firms, you know, EY, they've got a footprint across the globe, you know? So the, the chances of moving abroad are, 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 are 10 times higher, you know? Uh, whereas with, yeah, like a, a commerce organization, like NEMPEC, I, I only got that opportunity because there was a change in strategy within the organization to focus into the rest of Africa. Um, I think, yes, there is a limitation uh, uh, in terms of doing articles in commerce, um, as opposed to a person who's in audit. Audit has much more opportunities in terms of uh, uh, moving abroad. They do have much more opportunities. I'm also noticing that now people in like that don't do audit articles, but maybe do transaction advisory. It also seems to be opportunities there. Correct. So, uh, so, Financial um, services. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep, correct. Then we've got a question from Civiwe who says, does Transnet have a financial services business unit? Because he's struggling to understand the title. If yes, mm. what does the business unit do? So Civiwe, I had to shorten his title because I was running out of space, but I'll, I'll let you talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so um, for Transnet, it's basically the finance department, right? Um, so financial services, not in the sense of um, insurance or investments, you know, it's um, in the sense of um, financial reporting. So how it was developed is, is the fact that, um, so as the finance manager, so senior manager financial services, it's essentially the um, finance manager, but then you report to the port manager, you know, and the ESCO. Um, and um, so a part of it is, is financial services because there's an element of also uh, giving advice to the business in terms of like tariff applications, you know. Um, so so you, 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 it's, it's financial support, right? Um, it's, it's just how it was uh, crafted, but it's not in any way um, like your, your, the financial services as we would know it uh, in terms of like insurance investments and all of that no it's, it's strictly a a, a a a financial support department great and we've got and see we was coming with the questions now so do you think yep. the alleged corruption in the public sector makes CAs draw back from wanting to join the public sector i don't think so i don't think so i just think um probably you know at at university you know i i like what the agsa has now been doing for the profession you know um, I think previously is that at a varsity level, um, as you getting your exposure, uh, firstly with the vacation work of you know of, uh, the public sector organizations have been slacking on that. You know I don't see them running like vac vacation works. You know and and so you you get the audit firms, the banks, you know doing the vacation work, and um, then the thinking is that as a CA, my opportunities are better. You know in financial services in in audits you know and all of that but um i mean I, I i think the the insights like around um a corruption you probably get it as you mature in the profession you know and get it to understand a bit better but the person at university i honestly don't think they are deterred by um the state of affairs you know in terms of uh perception around uh, corruption i i speak under correction but I don't think there is a barrier. I just think that um, there is a slow uh, progress in in embracing and wanting to open the door um, for CAs in the public sector. So there's a lot of work uh, to be done. I mean, at Transnet, um, I must be honest, um, the CA program, for an example, has been run at Transnet Group. And um, I one has been trying to think, how can we, filter this down to operating divisional level. So like with ODs, we've got the National Ports Authority, Port Terminals, Transit Engineering, you know, that type of thing. But you don't see the CA program at that divisional level, you know? So, so it's just those things that uh, we, we need to do a bit more as the public sector um, to make ourselves seen, you know, um, at a student level that there is opportunities and there is value for CAs to consider the public sector. That's such a great idea of, of, of vac work 
I never thought of that. I'm like, yes, you only get back work at the big at the big companies. Like, there's, exactly. there's no reason why we can't have back back work at, at other companies as well. That's, Absolutely, that's something we need to look into. Yeah. And then last question we've got from Mkulelego, who says, "What's your advice to CAs that are working for municipalities considering the political environment?" Another tough question. Yep, yeah. a very tough question. Look, I've been fortunate um, to do consulting work, you know, with Bonagote uh, Consulting. They do amazing work in the local government space. Again, I think, you know, in our training, ways, um, there needs to be a lot of emphasis in, in relationship building, right? So when you, when you cre- um, invest in relationships, it's not that, you, you know, you are trying to be corrupt, you know? So uh, try and not look at, like municipal managers, you know, the CFOs, um, the council members as politicians, you know, they may be politicians, but understand that um, you've earned your right to be there. You know, don't be easily intimidated by saying, no, you are just a technical person. You know, you just focus on doing the recons. Insist to know what is going on. You know, um, don't close yourself in in just uh, the vets recon, the financial statements, you know, but insist in in knowing what is going on, you know, with the municipality, with the council. In fact, going back to Bulelani's question, the municipalities, in my opinion, there is the biggest enablers, sub, the, supposed to be the biggest enablers in job creation. Because if just the Etzegwini municipality, you know, the Cape Town Metro, the, you know, at, at a local government level, with the right skills, um, you know, as the finance manager or a CFO in there, you know, be prepared to engage, you know, in um, these council meetings and understand, you know, the the project um, PMOs, project management offices, you know, uh, the supply chain, know what is going on there, you know, put yourself out there. You know, get into those departments. They can say you're being nosy or anything. For as long as you're not doing anything illegal, it's your right to know what is happening with the municipality because it touches the direct things around service delivery and improving the quality of life for uh, the South African people. And I mean, you touched on a great point there on networking. I mean, that applies in, in, in business as well. Uh, I don't want to take any more questions because I'm going to steal all of your time. But- yeah. Uh, is there anything uh, from your side, any last few words, or anything we didn't discuss that you'd like the audience to know? All right. Well, yeah, it's just to highlight the fact that um, at the moment, I am the Deputy Chairperson of Abasa KZN, um, organization doing really some great work, you know, in terms of um, a promotion of the, op- uh, of the profession, you know, within the Black community. But what I also just want to highlight is the fact that um never betray your potential what what, I, what i've noticed um always like with me personally you know is, is that I've, I've taken setbacks you know in my career you know like way too personally and um neglected a lot of you know things that i'm passionate about you know in terms of community development and everything so even if it's an annual yearly exercise, you know, or 
every six months or everything, but find a way to check in with yourself. There are things that you believe in. There are things that have just kept you going for all these years. Do not betray your potential. It is a time, yes, we're coming from a difficult time of COVID. We learned a lot of things. I do want to put out the challenge out there, and I'm challenging myself as well, that I, I have experienced a bit of like, um, you know, a recession, you know, in terms of a, a career inspiration and, and, and studying and all of those things. Take the time out that is needed um, to recharge, but do not betray your potential any longer. Whoever that I'm speaking to, we are here is, you know, a great uh, people in this profession, you know, as, 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 as chartered accountants and accountants in general. Check in with that potential of yours that you've always possessed. And it's about time that you tap into it. The world needs you. Thank you very much. That's inspiring. That's a great way to end. The show has been live on YouTube and should be available on podcast by tomorrow. If you are watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast and you felt that it's added value, don't forget to like, subscribe, and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. Sanena, thank you so much for your time and for your inspir inspiring work. Thank you so much, Urias. Bless you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat. Goodbye. Cheers.